Here's Tuesday's edition of Transformation Radio.
Our reading in the New Testament comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. Here's an overview. Chapter 13 describes the onslaught of evil that will occur when Satan and his helpers control the world. Now, chapter 14 gives a glimpse into eternity to show believers what awaits them if they endure. The Lamb, of course, is the Messiah. Mount Zion, often another name for Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, is contrasted with the worldly empire. There's a number mentioned here. The 144,000 represent believers who have endured persecutions on earth and now are ready to enjoy the eternal benefits and blessings of life with God forever. The three angels contrast the destiny of believers with that of unbelievers. Well, these people are true believers whose robes have been washed and made white in Christ's blood. We'll read about that here today. And, of course, through his death, purchased from among the people of the earth. In the Old Testament, idolatry was often portrayed as spiritual adultery. And the book of Hosea covers that. Their being pure as virgins is best understood symbolically, meaning that they're free from involvement with the pagan world system. Now, to remain spiritually pure means resisting the seductions and idolatries of the present world, power, wealth, and sexual immorality. To do so requires daily application of God's Word, for it has a purifying effect on the mind and heart. It requires great resolution not to give in to these temptations. Following Christ the Lamb, wherever He goes, requires heroic effort to carry out Christ's commission to face oppression and uh, even death if required. Too many shrink back when the work is difficult or the future looks bleak. Join those who take their stand with Christ and against sin. We'll read here today about the special offering. It refers to the act of dedicating the first part of the harvest as holy to God. Now some believe that uh, this is a final worldwide appeal to all people here in chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, to recognize the one true God. No one will have the excuse of never hearing God's truth. And as we read on today into verses 6 and 7, we'll see that some people believe that this is a final worldwide appeal to all people to recognize the one true God. No one will have the excuse of never hearing God's truth. Others, however, see this as an announcement of judgment rather than as an appeal the people of the world have had their chances to proclaim their allegiance to God, and now God's great judgment is about to begin. Now, if you're hearing this, you've already heard God's truth. You know that God's final judgment will not be put off forever. Have you joyfully received the everlasting good news? Have you confessed your sins and trusted in Christ to save you? Well, if so, you have nothing to fear from God's judgment. The judge of all the earth is your Savior. Now, Babylon was uh, the name of both an evil city and an immoral empire, uh, a world center for idol worship. Babylon ransacked Jerusalem and carried uh, the people of Judah into captivity. Just as Babylon was the Jews' worst enemy, the Roman Empire was the worst enemy of the early Christians. John, who probably did not dare speak against Rome openly, applied the name Babylon to this enemy of God's people and by extension to all God's enemies of all times. Those who worship the beast, accept his mark, and operate according to his world economic system will ultimately face God's judgment. Our world values money, power, and pleasure over God's leadership. 
to get what the world values. Many people deny God and violate Christian principles. Thus, they must drink of the wine of God's anger. And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. December 23rd, the New Testament, Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. Then I, John, saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his Father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the twenty-four elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. They have kept themselves as pure as virgins, following the Lamb wherever He goes. They have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the Lamb. They have told no lies. They are without blame. And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon has fallen. That great city has fallen because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue, or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand, must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue, and have accepted the mark of his name. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands, and maintaining their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds follow them. Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, who had power to destroy with fire, came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, Swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. 
Psalm 142, verses 1 through 7. Have you ever felt that no one cared what happened to you? I think we've all been there at one time or another. David had good reason to feel that way here in this scripture we'll read. And he wrote, Hear my cry, for I'm very low. Through prayer, we can pull out of our tailspin and be reminded that God cares for us deeply. This psalm was written when David was hiding from Saul in caves uh, like the ones at uh, Adullam or uh, in Gedi. These may have uh, seemed like prisons to him because of the confinement. He really can't be in a dark, small space without feeling a bit of despair along the way. Psalm 142, verses 1 through 7. A Psalm of David, regarding his experience in the cave. A prayer. I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me. But no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, You are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me. For you are good to me. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 21 through 23. There are three things that make the earth tremble. No, four it cannot endure. A slave who becomes a king, an overbearing fool who prospers, a bitter woman who finally gets a husband, a servant girl who supplants her mistress.
today's In Touch devotion. Today's scripture reading begins in verse 16 of John chapter 14. Jesus is speaking. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him, because He abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and will disclose myself to him. If Christians truly understood what takes place during prayer, they would call upon the Lord more often and with greater results. A believer's prayer isn't simply spoken into empty space. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us in offering God-centered requests, to fill in words we fail to say, and to carry our needs before the Lord. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, so He knows the mind of God intimately. Since He, like the Heavenly Father, is omniscient and omnipotent, He fully grasps the circumstance we're praying over, even the parts that remain unseen or utterly confusing to us. Also, the Spirit dwells within every believer and knows each one's mind and heart. With this full knowledge, the Holy Spirit can carry out His responsibility to make our petitions match God's desires. To that end, He speaks in our spirit and opens our mind to Scripture. The fact that God gives His Spirit to all believers reveals the value He places on communication between Him and His children. Our Heavenly Father provides the best possible helper to ensure that we can be prayer warriors, wise, strong in faith, and fully yielded to Him. But we are none of those things unless we are habitually talking with the Lord. Christians never have to feel guilty for being uncertain about how to pray. The indwelling Holy Spirit knows our needs and desires, as well as the mind of the Heavenly Father and the details of every situation. He speaks to God on our behalf, while teaching us to pray in accordance with the Father's will.
that far Today on Minute with Maxwell, I'm going to talk about a word. Todd Webb from Anderson, Indiana, sent that in to me. He's a distributor and supervisor. I'm going to talk about a word that is not associated a lot with success, but just, just trust me. Anybody that is successful embraces the word. And although it's not sexy or fancy or charismatic, it's a word that works. It's the word consistent. Successful people understand 
that no matter how talented they are, if they're not consistent in that talent, they'll never be able to mine that gold and reach the strengths and the potential that they perhaps could reach if they were not consistent. Consistency is the ability to continually do the right thing every day, regardless of how, whether the mood or whether the odds are for you or the circumstances are favorable. And so I would just encourage you, if you want to go to greatness, don't go to greatness. Go to consistency. Practice it. That's the path that will eventually lead you to greatness.
Thanks for listening. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of Transformation Radio.